everybody doing? Y'all okay? <laughs> Amen. God is so good. He is faithful no matter what is happening. Uh, I shared a little bit of this. I went live on Facebook yesterday, and I, uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to relax. This is different, and uh, we're just going to be different this morning and just kind of more relaxed. But uh, I shared yesterday, you know, when I get back from a mission trip, if I've been out of the country for a week or two, when I get back here, I'm not craving fancy. I'm not, I'm not craving sushi. I love sushi, but I'm not craving that. I'm, I'm craving some fried chicken. Come on, somebody. Some comfort food, macaroni and cheese, cheeseburger, pizza, something like Come on. Y'all help me preach this morning a little bit. Yeah. I'm not wanting anything fancy. And, and I started thinking about that, and it kind of relates to where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm thinking a lot, and I'm going back in, in time a little bit, and I'm, I'm wanting some comfort food musically. I'm being drawn back to uh, the choruses in the 80s, and that's for me. That's not for everybody. I love the new music, but sometimes we need some comfort food, amen? Um, and I don't mean real food. We're all eating way too much probably, so let's just, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritually. We go back to what we cut our teeth on if we, if we were raised in church. And so I've just been, uh, if, you're, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is not the normal for me. I don't normally come to the keyboard. I, I usually just preach. But I've just found myself just wanting to sing these older songs. And maybe you're in my generation, and, and this will help you. But a little comfort food this morning. And this song, I think, should be, the theme of this song should be, I think the paradigm, what we're looking to in this time, this has been on my heart all week long, goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth In the light of his glory and Isn't that good? Sing it with me. Turn your eyes upon Thank you. 
Jesus. Lord, we praise you today. Lord, we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. So, church, how can we be sure, like the song says, how can we be sure that our worship will be a sweet, sweet sound in our Savior's ear? How can we know that our worship is pleasing to him? Today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and the people lining the streets and the people waving palm branches and, and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Have you ever thought about this? How could the same people, the same crowd that shouted Hosanna on Sunday 
be shouting crucify him on Friday. As Christians, we often read or hear sermons about the last week of Jesus' life and you know his triumphant entry, the Last Supper, the garden, the arrest, the torture, the beating, the mocking, the crucifixion. And we wonder, how could these people be so dense? I mean, this thing was prophesied. It was written down. It's all through the Old Testament. But the bottom line is this. I want you to listen. They saw what they wanted to see. They believed in the version of Jesus that they wanted to believe. And their worship reflected that motivation. The problem wasn't that they weren't worshiping on that Sunday. They were. The problem was their motivation, why they were worshiping him. And what a word for us right now in this season. Why am I worshiping today? Why am I giving him praise? Why are you? When Jesus turned out to be the suffering servant instead of the reigning king, that they were hoping for, everything changed. Their song changed. Their hearts changed. The focus of their worship changed. Their song changed from Hosanna to crucify. Are we going to limit, listen to me, are we going to limit our worship based on what is happening around us? Are we going to limit how we worship him based on our circumstances? I'm here to tell you, Jesus is worthy regardless of what is happening presently in my life. Jesus is worthy whether I'm feeling blessed or not. Jesus is worthy whether I'm in the valley or on the mountaintop. Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He is creator God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jesus. He is the Messiah, and he is worthy. I wish you'd give him praise right now, right where you are in your house. Today, church, today we talk about worship. Worship. Heavenly Father, I sense you in this place. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us technology and we're recapturing, reclaiming the internet for the kingdom of God. Come on, hallelujah. We're reclaiming what the enemy uses so much for evil and and, and, and horrible things. We're reclaiming the church of the living God through this pandemic. We are reclaiming technology for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. Let it go forth like it has never gone throughout this world right now, this Lord's day. God, meet with us and reveal some things to us. Deal with our heart this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before we jump into the text, I just want to Thank you and commend you, as Pastor Tyler was talking about, for your giving, for being faithful in these uncertain times with your tithes and your offerings. Um, 
we, you know, we've seen a little bit of a dip, but, but you have been so faithful, and that was to be expected. It is to be expected. People are losing their jobs. People's hours are being cut drastically. Um, but here's, here's what I want to challenge you with. If you have a paycheck, if you have a job, whatever that paycheck is, whatever that job is, be thankful for it. And show your thanksgiving unto the Lord by returning to him what is his. Being faithful in your giving and your tithes. If you have margin in your budget and you know who you are, you don't live paycheck to paycheck. You know you're going to be okay and your family's going to be okay in this situation. I challenge you to give an offering above and beyond what you normally would to make up the difference. And if you're in trouble today, if you've lost your job, I want to remind you we have an email, help at newlifecanton.com. Help at newlifecanton.com. Reach out to us. If you need groceries, if you need help, please, prayer, whatever, please respond to that email, help at newlifecanton.com. But be faithful if God is providing financially for you. Let's be faithful all together. And I'll tell you what's so exciting is so far we have given must ministries, a huge offering, and, and, and for food and things. We have done that with Papa's Pantry in Woodstock, another uh, place that is, that is feeding people that are in need. Uh, last week, we fed the entire floor of the ICU at Cherokee Northside and uh, fed, the, fed every healthcare worker, every doctor, every nurse. And this week, we gave, uh, it was close to $1,400 to the Cherokee County school system so they can continue to feed at-risk kids in our community. They're feeding over 3,000 kids a week. And it cost 100, get this, $100,000 a week. Now that's, some of that is government subsidized, but they're going to continue to do this this week, spring break, and they won't get a dime from the government. So let's make up the difference. Let's, we're, we're giving to that. I've got Stephanie, our office administrator. I've got her looking for ways that we can partner with nonprofits in the area who are making a difference. And as you are generous, we are going to just release that money. Amen? Hallelujah. Good stuff. All right. Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we're going to begin with verse 1. Uh, it's going to be kind of a, a different thing. I'm going to start in the New Living, and then we're going to end in the ESV. So John 12, beginning with verse 1, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. And that was fairly recently, by the way. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served, because that's who she was. She was a server all the way. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. So they're basically throwing Jesus a party, and why not? He had just raised their brother from the dead. Pretty good reason to throw a party for Jesus. Verse 3, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. We're going to find out just how expensive in a minute. Made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house, listen to this, the house was Filled. Everybody say filled. The house was filled with the fragrance. You got to get the picture of what's happening here. First of all, Mary wasn't even supposed to be in the room. She was a woman. 
In this culture, the women weren't in the parlor or the place where people were meeting. That's just the way it went. But that didn't stop her. She went in there. She got at Jesus's feet. She had intentionally brought this. She was she had thought this through. She knew what she was doing. And she broke this thing open. Another gospel says that she broke the bottle. She didn't just pour it. Come on, somebody. She didn't just pour it. There was no going back. She broke it all at his feet and poured it all over. And so every bit of this this bottle filled and the aroma filled every nook and cranny of that house. I'm telling you, oh, that our worship church would fill the the community that we live in, that they could sense and know that God is real just because of the intensity and the passion and the authenticity of our worship. She broke the bottle. Verse four, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said the perfume was worth a year's wages. A year's wages. He's like, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Judas wasn't worried about the poor. He was worried about losing the money. He was thinking to himself, man, that could have financed our little group here for months. And it's been wasted. It's been wasted. You know what? I didn't write this down, but let me just put this in your spirit. Your worship is never wasted. Thank you, Lord. Your worship is never wasted. If it's poured out to Jesus, it is never, ever, ever wasted. He was upset. He was mad because this was not a day's wage, not a week's wage. That would be a huge sacrifice, wouldn't it? Think about your salary, whatever that is. Think about just cutting a check for a week's wage right now. It wasn't even a month's wage. Everybody get that number in your mind. It was a full year's salary. Now, we all make different amounts of money, but just think about the median number in a family of, let's say, $50,000. $50,000 poured out all at once. This was huge. She gave everything. My first point, extravagant worship will always attract criticism. Extravagant worship will always attract criticism. If you think in the Old Testament, think about King David. He won this huge battle and he came marching into Jerusalem. And as he came in, he removed his outer robe, his kingly robe. He laid it down in the street and he danced before the Lord and he worshiped and he praised God with everything in him, dancing into the city and worship. But one of his wives, Michael, was looking down from the palace and criticizing him and making fun of him for his worship. I'm telling you, if you decide to become an extravagant worshiper of God, just get ready. It's not going to go over well with everyone. Verse 12, we're going to skip to verse 12. The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast. All right, now we're in the ESV. It's going to read a little bit differently. But it says, the next day, the large crowd that came to the feast. And the reason this, they were such a large crowd was because this feast was Passover. 
It was the biggest thing of the year. And so thousands of people from area nations, all the Jews from surrounding areas and all the Jews from up north in Jerusalem came down to Jerusalem. So there was literally thousands of people in the area. They heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. All of them had heard the rumors about Jesus. All of them had heard about the miracles and the things that he had done. So they took, can somebody give me some water? I'm sorry. Um, They took some branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found, thank you, man. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey. Excuse me for that. <clears throat> so the crowd was singing and proclaiming prophecy. They were proclaiming a messianic prophecy from the Old Testament. In other words, by shouting what they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By, by saying all that they were saying, they were proclaiming that Jesus was, in fact, their long-awaited Messiah. And for the first time, guess what happened? Jesus didn't tell them to be quiet. Any other time somebody had said, you must be the Messiah, he said, shh, don't tell anybody. And the reason he did that was because he knew as soon as that spread about him, he would be arrested, put on trial, and executed. But now he knew it was time. The time had come. And so he let them proclaim, and all of the prophecies were Fulfilled. The word Hosanna means save us. Now that's a very appropriate thing to ask of Jesus. We do that all the time, right? We're doing that right now. Save us, Lord. Help us, Lord. The question becomes what did they want to be saved from? What did they want to be saved from? Were they wanting to be saved from their sins? And I think that's the question. What do we want to be saved from? That's the question we must constantly be asking ourselves, especially in this season. Right now is a perfect time to get really personal and ask yourself, what do we want Jesus to save us from? Are we just focused on the virus? Are we just focused on our health? Are we just focused on the economy? Are we just focused on this pandemic? What is motivating my worship right now? That's the question we need to ask. What is motivating my worship right now? What do I want to be saved from? Those are very healthy questions to be asking right now. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. They didn't understand all the prophecies, the the riding on the donkey, the palm branches, the Hosanna. They didn't understand all that was happening. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things, you know, when he had died on the cross and rose from the dead, they recalled what had been written about him and had been done to him. Now, these two verses, everybody focus. You may have glazed over just a little bit. Focus back in. Put your eggs down (laughs) or your lunch and focus in right now. Verse 17, the crowd, everybody say the crowd. The crowd that had been with him 
when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. What, what that means is they never shut up about it. There was about 500 people who witnessed Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, and they never stopped talking about it. They never stopped sharing. As all of their relatives came into town for Passover, they were telling everyone about it. And of course, they did, because how many times do you see a dead person come back to life? So everybody knew, and the crowd was with them. They knew about it. Verse 18, this is the key. The reason why the crowd went to meet Jesus was that they heard he had done this sign. I want you to read that out loud with me in your homes. The reason why the crowd went to meet Jesus was that they heard he had done this sign. In other words, the crowd was there. The crowd was present because of the miracle. The crowd was there. The crowd was worshiping. The crowd was waving palm branches because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. It had nothing to do with his gospel kingdom message. They were there, listen, because of what Jesus could do, not because of who he is. Very quickly, I want us to look at three types of worshipers in this story. Number one, the casual worshiper. The casual worshiper. Judas was with Jesus. Come on. Can you imagine getting to to walk around with Jesus and to watch him and to be with him and to talk personally with a physical Jesus? That's what Judas got. He was with Jesus, but he never became a true follower. His heart was never converted. His heart was never changed. And the loyalty and the commitment was never there. And when Mary did what she did, it offended his mediocrity. I want to let that sink in. When Mary poured out her extravagant worship, it offended the lukewarm commitment in his heart. I want you to look at this next point. Extravagant worship will offend the casual worshiper every single time. Every time. So listen, before you judge someone that's worshiping and they're a little bit extra, right? They're a little bit extra with their worship. Withhold your judgment. Maybe go get to know them. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know their testimony. You don't know what God has delivered them from. So instead of judging someone who's a little extra in their worship, maybe evaluate your own heart and and determine what kind of worshiper am I? I never want to stop asking those questions. I never want to stop asking, what kind of worshiper am I? What kind of worshiper do I want to be? Because I'm telling you, until I die or Jesus comes, I'm never going to be satisfied with where I am when it comes to worshiping Jesus because he's my Savior. He's my Lord. I owe him everything, everything. We can't get satisfied. I never want to stop growing in my worship. The casual worshiper is 
present. They're, they're in attendance. They're hanging around. But because their commitment level is low, their motivation in worship is usually not on target. The casual worshiper. Number two, the crowd worshiper. The crowd worshiper. The crowd worshiper does whatever the crowd does. If the crowd is waving palm branches, they wave palm branches. If the crowd gets excited and intense with their worship, they get excited and get into the worship. If the crowd changes from Hosanna to crucify him, guess what? Do you remember why the crowd was there? Just a few minutes ago, we talked about it. They were there because Lazarus had been raised from the dead. The crowd was there, listen to me now, because this man, Jesus, might save them from Rome. They were there because Jesus might be the one to raise up an army to be the leader that they wanted to overthrow Rome and get Rome off of their backs and for them to be a sovereign nation once again. They were worshiping this man because perhaps this man could improve their lives. Listen carefully. Jesus did not come to provide a political salvation. He came to provide a personal salvation salvation. Come on, it's the same for us today. His primary concern is not the condition of Washington, D.C. His primary concerns are twofold, the condition of people's heart, and number two, the condition of his bride, the church. The condition of your heart, the condition of my heart, and the condition of his bride. And I have to be honest with you, this isn't in my notes. I just feel led to share this. I I really feel like he's allowed this pandemic to awaken us because we were not where we needed to be as a church. And I'm talking about Big C Church across the world, especially in the West. Everybody look at me. We cannot, when this is over, the worst mistake we could make as a local church is to go back to business as usual. The worst mistake we could make is to make adjustments during this to be outreach driven and and, and spend our money on on helping people and then when this is over, suddenly shift back to being more self-centered. Now, I'm not saying we were self-centered, but we certainly, God has been revealing we were nowhere near really where, where we needed to be. the condition of his bride. The crowd was worshiping because of what Jesus could do for them. But listen to me, folks. If we only worship Jesus because of what he can do for us, then what happens when he doesn't do things how we think they ought to be done? What happens when things don't turn out like we think they should? I'll tell you. It's the same thing that happened then. Our version of worship will cease. Casual worship will cease. The crowd type of worship will cease. And guess what will happen to us if we fall into those categories? The turmoil and the confusion on the inside will begin. And our faith will go down instead of up. The crowd worshiper follows after the whims of culture 
instead of the heart of Christ. Let me say it again. The crowd worshiper follows after the whims of culture instead of the heart of Christ. Our worship should not be based on what everybody else is doing. Our worship cannot be based on whether the person next to us is worshiping or not. Our our, our worship cannot be based on if everything is perfect in my life or not. The word of God says, bring a sacrifice of praise. I'll never forget the first time I lifted my hands in a worship service. For some reason, I was so self-conscious about lifting my hands as as a kid. I don't know why. I'm a very kind of private person, and I guess I felt vulnerable. I guess I felt like if I was going to, as soon as I did that in a service, the entire sanctuary, and I went to a very large church, like 33,000 people, were just going to turn and look at me. Of course they wouldn't. But that's how I felt. I was very insecure about it for some reason, and I'll never forget, I was about 10 years old, and they had lowered the lights a little bit because it was a special service, a special program, and I felt the spirit of God and I just, and it was kind of like an outer body experience. I was like, what's happening? What's happening? And I began to lift my hands and I can't describe to you the overwhelming freedom that fell on me and, and the, the wonderful presence of the Lord that fell on me as I just lifted my hands. And all that is, is it just means I surrender. Just like if somebody held a gun on you. The other analogy could be A little child reaching up to his mom or dad. What does that mean? Pick me up. I think we need to to make it both things. We need to surrender. And we need the Lord to pick us up right now. Come on, somebody. But that's worship. That's authentic worship. And finally, number three, the extravagant worshiper. The extravagant worshiper. (laughs) Mary. Mary is our example. She poured it all out. She didn't hold back anything. She didn't care what anybody else thought about her. She didn't care that she was pouring out $50,000, whatever. It was intentional. It was on purpose. She broke it open. It could not be put back in. It was all out. The big idea is that worship is not about what Jesus can do, but about who he is. Worship can't be about just what Jesus can do for you. It must be about who he is. Mary's worship, listen, affected the entire house. Come on. Every nook and cranny of that house was filled with the fragrance of her offering. Even if you walked by the door, I bet you you could smell it. It affected the atmosphere in that place. She wasn't even supposed to be in the room. But that didn't let, that didn't stop her. She didn't let anything stop her. And we can't let anything stop us from our worship of Almighty God, even in this pandemic, even though we can't meet together in a physical building, even though we're a little bit scared, and a little bit worried, even though the economy's doing what it's doing, even though there's a sickness out there that is killing people, we can't allow anything to keep us from our authentic worship of Almighty God. He is worthy of my praise. He is worthy 
worthy of my worship. He is worthy of my all no matter what is happening. And I don't worship him for what he can just do for me. Although he does so many wonderful things, I must worship and concentrate on who he is. And who he is is the Messiah. Who he is is my king. Who he is is my savior and my Lord. What if New Life Church, I can't do anything about any other churches. What if New Life Church became a church full of extravagant worshipers? I think it would change the atmosphere of Cherokee County. I really do. I think it would bring a much needed sweet aroma to our community. I'll tell you why. Extravagant worship changes the environment. Extravagant worship changes the environment. This is an old illustration, but I love it. The illustration of the thermometer versus the thermostat. A thermometer just reflects whatever is around it. It just reports whatever. If it's 60 degrees, the thermometer is 60 degrees. It's just if it's 50, it's 50. It doesn't matter. The thermometer doesn't change anything. It just reflects on what's around it in the moment. We are not called to be thermometers. A thermostat changes the environment. A thermostat changes the temperature in the room. A thermostat changes the atmosphere. And I think we are to set the temperature of worship in our home. I think we're to set the temperature of worship in our services. I think we're to set the temperature of worship in our schools and in our workplaces. I think we're to set the temperature of worship in this county, in this state, in this country, and in this world. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're to operate as a thermostat, not a thermometer. Church, I'm not there by any means. But like I said earlier, I'm not satisfied either. And I pray I am never satisfied with where I am as a worshiper. I'm determined, I'm determined to be an extravagant worshiper. If he never does another thing for me, if he never performs another miracle, if he never heals me again, if he never does one more thing, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my King. And he is worthy of my best worship today. He is worthy. He is worthy. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. But I want the worship team to come. And this song was put in my heart as I prepared this week. They're going to lead this song first. And then we're going to come back and partake in communion. Please get your bread and your juice ready for your family. And then worship with them as they come.
praise wherever you are watching right now. He is worthy. And church, let me tell you something. He is worthy regardless of our circumstances. He is merciful. He is good. He is righteous. He is our Savior and our Lord. And He is worthy of our authentic worship. Authentic worship. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Do you have your stuff together, your elements together? Have that ready. If you'll get the bread ready, don't eat it yet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That week, the passion of Christ, his suffering, was among the worst that any human could possibly go through. We've a lot of us seen the movie and all those things. It's really unimaginable, but I want you to know he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it to set me free, to heal my body, to heal my soul. He did it for you. This wafer, your bread, represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, for our healing. I want you to think about that right now. Don't do this lightly. Before we partake, I, I feel I need to do this. If there's anyone watching right now that you would say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my salvation. I'm not sure that I've been forgiven of my sin. I'm not sure that I'm even a Christian. The Word of God says Paul teaches to not partake in the Lord's Supper in that state, in that condition. So I would encourage you right now, if you feel led, you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you, it's, it's your moment right there wherever you are, in your car, in your living room, in your bedroom. Your moment could be right now to receive Jesus. If you want to receive him and be forgiven of your sins and come into the kingdom, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. The word of God says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and he's been risen from the dead then we would be saved. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Would you pray with, with me right now? Just repeat this prayer out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess right now that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Please make me whole through the blood of Jesus. I receive that sacrifice right now. Come into my life. Save me. Purify me. Make me whole. I commit that I will be a follower of Jesus from this day forward. That it will be more than words. It will be a true commitment to you. Help me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, would you reach out to us? Would you let us know? Would you send an email or would you comment or send a private message? We want to know that you made that decision. But guess what? You get to participate right now with us in this special moment. This is the body of Christ broken for you and me. Break it and eat.
I feel like the Spirit of God just spoke something to me. He wants to heal somebody's body as you partake in this communion. Would you receive that right now? If you need healing in your body, physical, physical healing in your body, I feel like the Spirit of God just spoke and said, I'm going to heal some folks as they partake in this communion. There's power in this moment. There's power in this moment. The juice is red. It represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for you and me. He said, do this in remembrance of me and what I've done for you. The blood of Jesus poured out for the sins of the world. Take and drink. Sing your mouth. the difficult questions even during this difficult time help us to ask the question why am I worshiping what is the motivation in my heart right now am I just worshiping because of what Jesus can do for me or am I worshiping because of who he is no condemnation church no condemnation strictly evaluation because God wants to bless. God wants to pour his spirit upon you. And the, the way that I worship is so important. And why I'm worshiping is so, so important. Father, I bless every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl who is watching right now. I pray in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would bless them, that you would protect them, that you would give them favor, that you would uh, give them blessing. God, that you would uh, 
Let them sense your presence in their home, Father. Give them comfort and peace, but also challenge us in this hour. Also speak to us, Holy Spirit, in this hour. We worship you today because of who you are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Real quickly, next Sunday is Easter. My emotions are doing somersaults. I don't know how, what to think about an empty sanctuary on, on, on Easter Sunday. But I'm telling you, just because the sanctuary is, is empty, I'm telling you, the tomb is also empty. And we're going to have Easter and celebrate Easter in even a bigger way than we can imagine because more people will be tuning in who, than who would ever attend an actual building. And so we're going to be believing for many souls. I want you to be praying this week for your lost loved ones. I want you to be inviting people to watch. What we're going to try to do, what we're going to try to do, and I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag with my my media team here, and we're going to do our best to do this, is to do a 9.30 live service and an 11.15 to give you two options uh, to watch next Easter and so that as many people as possible can tune in live and comment and just be with each other during that period of time. I bless you. I miss you. I can't wait until we get to be back together again, but until then, I know God is working. Thank you so much. They're going to sing that, that uh, bridge and chorus one more time. Stay on as long as you want. God bless you. I love you, church. Amen.